Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Appetite for Discussion TT. I'm Karen Das, and joining me today, Dr. Akash Maniam, oncologist who practices in the UK. He's also clinical director at the Caribbean Cancer Research Institute. Hello. Good to be here again. Looking forward to today's segment. Well, today we talk about cancer, yes, but we also talk about cannabis. So one can induce anxiety, and the other, for some people, can make you feel the complete opposite. So cannabis <laughs> and cancer. Now, with decriminalization and legalizing of marijuana, we're seeing, we're hearing, we're reading more about marijuana usage and the benefits of marijuana-based products and all of that. So there's a big hype. You might even say there's a big buzz pun intended. So we're going to talk about medicinal marijuana today. We're going to talk about cancer, yes, because many people make that link that, oh, this can actually be another form of treatment. That's where the oncologist comes in. So Dr. Maniam, we know about recreational marijuana, but medicinal marijuana, what is it that makes it medicinal? I'll preface this by saying that I am by no means an expert on, on cannabis, and this is not intended to be a a moral or ethical discussion about legalization or any of these things. We're just going to look at what we know so far and what we don't know to try to empower you to make the right decision. So as you've correctly said, it is such a hot topic around the world. This is by no means unique to Trinidad or the wider Caribbean. It seems that everywhere around the world, this is catching fire and that fire is only spreading as we decriminalize and legalize marijuana in more countries. So it's only natural that we have use of it that you know that is more prevalent i guess we can start by looking at where this whole idea came from now there is a group of chemicals within the body called cannabinoids and these are natural compounds found within our body that interact with receptors in two different areas you have one type in the brain and one in your immune tissues these are involved in various different functions in the body like memory sleep pain control eating inflammation and the immune system so you can already see when you're covering such general things where people might get the idea that it could be useful in so many things. And I mean people as in both the scientific community and the general population. And as the name suggests, cannabinoids are found in cannabis. It only makes sense. Now, broadly speaking, for our perspective, there are two different aspects of cannabis that we need to understand. There are two different cannabinoids that we need to think about. One is called THC, which is short for delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol. THC is more commonly seen as a recreational component of cannabis. It's a psychoactive substance. That is what creates this feeling of being high. The second is CBD, which is short for cannabidiol. And there is an idea that that could be involved in relieving pain, lowering inflammation, decreasing anxiety. That does not have any psychoactive effects. So they're two completely different things. And it's important that we understand this uh, when we're shaping this conversation going forward. So that is where this idea came from because cancer is involved with the immune system. Side effects of treatment, you know, could include anxiety or insomnia, etc. This is where all of this comes from when we're thinking about cancer or indeed medicine as a wider field. Okay, so the medicinal marijuana would be the one without the THC? Ideally, it would be the one without the THC. So if we look at the UK, for example, 
products without THC, so products with CBD, such as CBD oil or hemp oil, they are very common. They are often legal. They're legal in the UK. They're legal in many places because they, they don't have that psychoactive um, impact. Products with THC are illegal in many, many countries and many places because that is what you often use for recreational purposes. Medicines derived from it, it's a very complex area and some are legal, some are not. Where it becomes challenging is that there was a, there was a study done, I think about six years ago, that tested a sample of about 80 uh, CBD products that were sold online. And it's interesting to know what they found. They found that about 20% of them actually had THC in them, even though they're not supposed to. Mm. They also found that about half of them had more CBD than they stated on the label. And a quarter had less CBD than stated on the label. When we're framing this discussion, it's not just about whether this is a good idea or not. An equally important point is about regulatory oversight. It is so easy to obtain these products from a wide variety of online and offline sources. You don't know what is in that product. Often, you have to try to find it from a credible source to know exactly what is in it. Because if you're in that 20% and you're getting THC within it, it puts you in a very different bracket. It exposes you to very different effects and also very different legal implications if you're caught using it. Uh, particularly if, for instance, you you travel to another country and you have CBD oil with you. So that to me is the main issue here. It's, 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 it's always going to be about authenticity, evidence, and regulatory oversight. And looking back at our earlier segment on alternative therapies, we made a point to stress that it's not about superiority and inferiority so much as it is about evidence and authenticity. Do you know what the product is? Do you know what exactly is in it? Do you know what the correct dose is? Do you know how often to take it? Do you know if it interacts with anything else? Do you know what the side effects are? Do you know what the effects of overdose are? Do you know what the impact of interactions with other treatments would be? And do you know how effective it is for what you are taking it for? And I think the summary of cannabis as a whole is that we're not quite there. In terms of cancer, certainly we're not quite there with the evidence that we have to back it up as a cancer treatment. What does the research show so far about the use of cannabis or medicinal marijuana among cancer patients? Are we seeing that more patients are interested in the use of medicinal, um, medicinal marijuana? Are they asking more questions about the usage? Because accessibility and availability is it's greater now than decades gone by. Yes, you're absolutely right. I think we are being asked more in clinic about it. I think we are seeing greater usage. Legality and ease of access are definitely big reasons for that, as well as advertising around the products. I think with many health-based topics, word of mouth and community voices go a long way. If your friends, family, neighbors are, are using something and rec recommending it, as humans, we put a lot of stock in those recommendations. So once something catches on, it can be very quick. And the downsides of you being using CBD oil are, are, are unlikely to be very high. Most of the time, it's pretty, pretty mild. So when you have an easily accessible, let's say, minimally toxic substance that, that can be used, it's only natural that people would use it. What I'm not clear on is whether more people are using it instead of treatment because 
there will be a bias from our clinic in that the patients we see in clinic are going to be the ones using conventional or let's say traditional cancer treatments. So I guess it would be fairer to say that we see more patients who would be using both. I don't know how many would be using CBD instead of say chemotherapy because those patients don't usually reach us. Those patients would stay in the community. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they exist but we wouldn't generally see them. Yeah. But what are some of the things that could go wrong based on the research available right now using cannabis with cancer treatment? Firstly, I think any substance has the potential to interact with traditional treatment. So say chemotherapy or targeted therapy, there's always going to be that potential concern. So it's, it's something that can go wrong if you're not disclosing it with your physician you're taking it too often or taking too much, etc. That is definitely something that could be problematic. If we're using it instead of traditional cancer treatment, say chemotherapy, the harm is that we don't have any robust evidence to say that it works. So you could be doing yourself harm by not treating the cancer and opening up yourself to the complications of untreated and progressive cancer. The other risk, as we had discussed, is from buying it from unregulated sources or sources where you're not sure what the composition is so if you end up with say thc or more or less you could be underdosing overdosing or exposing yourself to the psychoactive effects of thc which you may not have wanted to do that also potentially exposes you to legal risks because if you travel to a country with strict drug laws even say the us or the uk if they catch you with something and they find that it's thc it's is potentially extremely dangerous. Another harm, I think, on a practical level is that these treatments can be quite expensive. At the end of the day, these supplements are a business industry. I think we all know with many of these alternative treatments, even say vitamin supplements, if you take it every day, a month's supply can cost hundreds of dollars. It's not an insignificant amount. There's another harm in that people can make it themselves, for example. Some people do make cannabis oil themselves at home. When you're making it yourself, the solvent that you're using could contain toxic chemicals. There is a discrepancy in the market between natural and artificially made or synthetic uh, CBD. Sometimes the synthetic versions can be much stronger and have more potent effects, both good and bad. I think those are generally it. But if we're just looking at traditional CBD, if you know it's 100% exactly what you need to get, I think the general harms in terms of side effects, are, are quite mild. Most people don't tend to have any major issues with uh, with CBD as a whole. It's more about the efficacy and the risk of giving yourself, uh, giving yourself something harmful. From a specific cancer perspective, what we do know is that there is some evidence that cannabinoids can cause some cells to die, can cause some cells to stop dividing, can also stop some cells from developing new blood vessels. These are all important things conceptually when treating cancer. But that is not the same as saying that it's an effective treatment. These are just things that cannabinoids can do. On the other hand, we also know that it can also damage blood vessels. And in some situations, it can actually even encourage cancer cells to grow. And in others, it can make the immune system less effective. And the immune system is a critical part of fighting cancer. So it is a very nuanced and complicated issue. My general advice to people is let's follow the data. Let's be driven by the data. And if we're not quite there yet, we should be more careful about taking something in as much as I would say 
we shouldn't give you chemotherapy for, say, breast cancer if we know that the chemotherapy doesn't work. We should stick to the, the drugs that we know and not try drugs that we don't. We should wait for the evidence to unfold because I'm sure we're going to get a lot more research and a lot more evidence one way or the other over the next few years. Well, when it comes to health, illness in particular, you get to a point of desperation. And not just the patient, but family members. You don't want to see your loved one in pain. You don't want to see your loved one in any discomfort. So you're willing to try anything that could bring some relief. Now, we have just shared information in this episode, listener. The importance of doing research. Research the product. Get to know your product. Get to know the brand, the process, the ingredients, the source. But here's a challenge with research, though. Sometimes uh, these uh, studies can be really wordy. So you have these big fancy terms being used yeah. and yeah. that is intimidating. So you, you just scroll past it because you just want to read the good stuff. So you just take that to your oncologist. I completely endorse that. And I have lots of patients who come with things that they have read online. And I think by openly discussing these things in a non-judgmental way, we actually just build trust between them and us. I'd much rather you do that than you feel intimidated by what you're reading online. Mm -hmm. the, the trial data is too wordy, too complicated, or seemingly just too irrelevant because the stuff that is easier to understand and believe is, is often designed to be that way. Understand that because it's a food supplement and not a, not a medicinal product, there is no regulatory oversight into what actually goes into it. They can put any ingredient into it. There isn't any regulation to say that you have to have this. Whereas if you have a, a, a chemotherapy drug that has to have passed the Food and Drug Administration standards or whatever regulatory body in the country is looking at it. So whether you get chemotherapy at St. James or San Grande or San Fernando or privately, the drug is the drug. Whereas with CBD, what you buy in one shop versus another shop, what bottle you buy versus mm -hmm. the bottle next to it, there is absolutely no reason for those to be the same thing. And that is a concern that we have. So I'd rather you find the information intimidating and just bring it to us for us to discuss it with you openly than to go it alone and mm -hmm. hide the information from us. And on that note of support, you listener have access to an incredible team at the Caribbean Cancer Research Institute. Those professionals are there to offer support, to answer your questions, to even help you with your research, to alleviate any concerns you have. And it's not going to cost you a thing. So, Dr. Maniam, just uh, remind our listeners how they can get in touch with the CCRI. Absolutely. And I echo what you're saying. Feel free to get in touch and open that dialogue. All you have to do is go to our website, CCR Institute. That's all we need to, that's all we need to do. We are happy to be contacted via the webpage, via the web chat, via WhatsApp, via phone, via email, all of that information is, is widely there on, on our website. And we do not, of course, sell CBD, unfortunately, on <laughs> the website, but we can certainly give you information on it. So that would be ccrinstitute.org. 